to the Prophecy Club. Let me give you a little history for our new listeners out there. Prophecy Club actually started in 1993. It's been around about 28 years. And for the first 25 years, we used to make VCR tapes of speaker talks. And, of course, it graduated into DVDs. We actually made 330 recordings. Awesome. From 160 guest speakers. And in many cases, the topics were ahead of their time. But due to change in technology, we no longer make DVDs. Instead, I simply record them and post them on the Internet. However, we have posted around 300 of these on the website, watchprophecyclub.com, which, of course, you can view for a gift of $20 a month. But the best deal is $200 a year. It's about $6,000 worth of recordings at your fingertips anytime you want. That is, until the Internet can't be accessed unless you have the Mark of the Beast or something like that. But nevertheless, you can still get the DVDs at prophecyclub.com. Now, I say all that to say this. In June of 2005, I invited Bill Sneblin in to make a DVD talking about Scalar Wave. The name of the DVD is called Secret Weapons to Defeat America. Now, get this. we got a really good deal for you. You can now go to watchprophecyclub.com. And we've made the first 30 minutes of the DVD available to you there to watch for free. And if you like it, then you can sign up and watch all of the DVDs for, again, $20 a month or $200 a year. The name is called Secret Weapons to Defeat America by Bill Sneblin. Bill reveals technology that the Russians have that can knock out anything on the land, on the sea, under the sea, or in the air, any place on the globe, with little to no trace of who did it. See, Scalar Wave can render all conventional weapons of war obsolete against the Soviet energetic weapons. Scalar Waves has challenged how war is conducted. Scalar Wave, you see, does not travel like radar from point A to point B. Instead, it is interdimensional, as he will explain. It leaves A and it arrives at sea without a trace. It is believed that it's what took out the Thresher submarine in the 60s and the Challenger. It is also believed to be able to kill large amounts of birds in flight, dead before they hit the ground. Likewise, fish in water or sea with no trace of cause. The only way they can tell it's even been used is the birds simply leave the area. It is also believed to be what took out Gary Powers and the U-2 spy plane over Russia back in the 60s. They can make large portions of the atmosphere very, very cold, creating massive cold storms, or superheat, creating massive droughts or heat waves. And it is also believed that they can create sparks out of thin air, as in starting forest fires. It is also believed to be the cause of many of the superheat or super cold storms hitting America for the last 20 years. It is the perfect weapon because it can't be proven that it was even used, much less by who. It can act like an umbrella protecting a city or an entire country from all incoming aerial or water attacks. I play it because, as you know, Texas just got hit with an amazing ice storm I was raised in Texas. I have never seen zero temperatures in Texas my entire life. But, but we just saw it. 
I can't prove, and that's one of the beautiful parts of this, I can't prove it was scalar wave, but I certainly suspect it. And I also suspect that that's the reason all of our electricity went off. I suspect it was a shot across the bow saying, don't come after us, don't arrest us, because we can do some amazing bad things. It's a threat, in my opinion. Russia's secret weapon to defeat America by Bill Sneblin. But I know he was talking about energy from the vacuum. And that's what we're going to be speaking about tonight. Uh, so I had some background in it, but of course my main thrust in my ministry is, of course, um, you know, Bible preaching and apologetics. So uh, this is a little different for me tonight. I ask you to bear with me. Um, this is a very important point you all need to remember. This is a statement by an eminent scientist in 1899. Everything that can be invented has been invented. Now, I don't know if anybody here can remember 1899. I kind of doubt it. But I know in my relatively short life, I can remember hundreds of inventions, and some of them remarkable, like the, the personal computer, like the Internet, like you know color television or putting a man on the moon. So obviously this guy was wrong. And that's the problem, see. Most people don't understand that science is a religion, just like any other. Some scientists are almost like cultists. And when I say that, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just telling you the way it is. Because scientists have these beliefs. And many of those beliefs have no more basis in fact than the beliefs of, of any other religious system. Just as one example, 50 years or so before this statement, scientists were warning that we'd better not use trains. Because everyone understands that if the human body goes faster than 40 miles an hour, your head will explode. Now, that was scientific dogma. They also, of course, said that man would never fly. They said in the 1950s, man would never go to the moon, and so on and so on. So obviously, science has these faulty beliefs, and if you come along with something that is, that is heterodox or heretical to those beliefs, like, for instance, Mr. Tesla, they'll tend to just kind of shove you down the memory hole. So that is the problem, is that America has basically ignored some of these technological advances, and as we'll see tonight, Russia has not. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is this, this particular scripture, Revelation 11:18, has been kind of floating around between uh, Stan and I concerning this, um, this entire issue, and especially the last clause, where it talks about those which destroy the earth. Now that's interesting, because most of us will read that passage and they'll think, oh, well, you know, yeah, we have nuclear weapons or, or we're talking about an environmental catastrophe or something like that where we'll destroy the earth. But actually, that's not true. None of those things can destroy the earth. They can make the surface of the earth miserable. You know, you can have nuclear winter or, or fallout and basically the only thing that's left alive on the earth are cockroaches, you know, but the earth itself is, is fine, you know. So what does this refer to? Well, to decode this, we have to go back to Mr. Tesla again. And he made a statement like 70 years ago where he said if you understand the principles of magnetic resonance, you could split the earth in two like an apple. Split the entire planet in two like an apple. Now that's destroying the earth, amen? I mean, that's much more than just, um, you know, having a nuclear fallout land on everybody. So then he was again discussing this many, many, you know, many years ago. So I think this is what that applies to. Now, what are these weapons really? Well, first of all, 
we all understand normal weaponry, like, um, you know, a gun. You fire a projectile out of the gun. It's propelled by gunpowder. It travels. It hits its target. Or bombs. We understand those things. They're physical. Also, they've been around for generations. But these are called energetics weapons, and that's the Russians coined that phrase. Another, another term that we use here in America is DEW, or directed energy weapons. The big difference is, is that these weapons fire energy rather than a physical projectile. And, and so we're kind of in the realm of, of ray guns, if you will, things like that. And the problem that we have is, is that most of these weapons function in a way that's contrary to the accepted concepts of physics as they're taught in the West. Instead, they rely on the latest concepts, at least to us, of quantum physics. Now, what's quantum physics? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but essentially it's, it's a variety of physics that deals with subatomic, submolecular, you know, the very tiniest particles that are out there, down at the very, you know, protons, neutrons, electrons, quarks, charm quarks, neutrinos, croutons, protons, etc. See, I threw in the croutons to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> and uh, all of these, all of these move in a fashion that at times seems counterintuitive to the way we think the world works. Just as one example, there's a subatomic particle called the neutrino, which is able to travel through a light year of lead instantly, just like that. Now, that's supposed to be impossible. That's supposed to be contrary to all known laws of physics. But it winks out of existence in our universe, and microseconds later, it winks back into existence somewhere else. Very strange particle. And it's this kind of spooky stuff that is what we're dealing with here tonight. Now, these weapons are beyond Star Trek. Now, I'm, I'm using Star Trek because it's very well known. I'm sure probably most of you have at least seen one episode of Star Trek. I don't care how sanctified you are. And, uh, you know, the, the little spaceships flying through the sky, you know, ba-doo, 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 like that with lasers or phasers or whatever they are. You know, that stuff is like buggy whips. And this stuff is like a Maserati that we're talking about tonight. So this stuff is so advanced that even most science fiction writers haven't used it as, and it certainly, to my knowledge, has never appeared in any science fiction film. Okay, what are energetics? Well, we all kind of understand electromagnetic energy. It's what runs virtually everything we have. I mean, from, from our, our uh, homes, our cars, whatever. And electromagnetic energy travels in transverse waves. And everybody understands that, no, no contest. However, scalar waves are of a different variety. They are longitudinal in nature. That means they go in the opposite direction. And in scalar mode, electromagnetic energy can be changed into gravitational energy and vice versa. Now, that's a little hard to understand, and I, I want to apologize. The next few of these slides are going to be a little bit dense in terms of physics, but, but I'll try and get through them and make it as easy as you can. Um, gravitation is not readily understood. We more or less understand electromagnetism. But we, under, we know gravity works. I mean, we know if we take an apple and drop it, it'll fall to the earth. But why does that happen? Well, Einstein, many years ago, came up with a postulation. He said the entire earth, or the entire universe, for that matter, is one big sphere. It's like a giant bubble that's hollow inside. And that when you have a, a large mass, like a planet or a star or something of that nature, 
in, the, in space, it causes a dimple in the fabric of space. It causes a little divot, if you will, like that, those of you that are golfers. And that that is called a gravity well. And so if something comes along, like a comet or whatever, and it, it hits the edge of this gravity well, it starts going into this circular motion, just like in your bathroom sink. If you put a marble in your bathroom sink, it'll go around and around and around, and eventually it'll come right to the drain. That's what happens with a meteor. It will go around and around the Earth and eventually hit the Earth's atmosphere and hopefully burn up. So that was Einstein's explanation for gravity. And the way we know it's true is some years after that, they took a picture of a solar eclipse. Now that's where you have the moon coming between us and the sun. Okay, So you see this black circle with these prominences, the solar corona flaring up around it. And what they noticed was something really astonishing. They could look at that black disk that was inside the sun, or appeared to be. You know what they saw? They saw a star inside of that black disk. And that told them that Einstein was right. You know why? Because what had happened is that the starlight was coming into the the sun's gravity well, and it bent around the sun and came out the other side. So to us... On Earth, it appeared as though the line went straight through the sun and we were actually seeing through the sun. Actually, the sun was able to bend light. Now, that sounds really bizarre to people that live on the Earth in the real world, you know. But if you're an astrophysicist, that's common knowledge nowadays. So think of it as something that that is very mysterious that can even bend the very fabric of light. Now, this energy exchange that we're talking about between electromagnetic and electrogravitic energy can be localized or aimed to a specific location. In other words, you can target things with it. Scalar waves don't exist in our normal world normally. They're in the vacuum of space. They exist in the dimension of time. And since the vacuum of space exists everywhere, scalar waves can draw on vast amounts of energy. This is called energy from the vacuum or zero-point energy. This energy can be transmitted faster literally than the speed of light. Now, Einstein taught that the speed of light is a speed limit of the universe. And, and what it is is roughly 186,000 miles a second. Or, if you prefer, 670 million miles an hour. So that's a whole lot faster than you can go in your, your car, I'm sure. And the interesting thing is, is that if you were to say the word light, in the time it takes to say the word light, light can travel around the world seven times. That's how fast it is. So it's very, very fast. But Einstein taught that you can't go faster than that. As we will see tonight, Einstein has been proven wrong in several ways. The way this, these scalar waves travel faster than light is that they go through hyperspace and go around regular space. Now, you'll notice here in this chart, you have this large white sphere. That is the universe, okay? And you see the red arrow, it's pointing to the surface of that big white sphere, That is space, just like if you think of a basketball. You think of the rubber or whatever is around the basketball, that's the space. That's where we live. That's where the entire universe lives, is in this thin membrane around this giant nothing. Okay? This is what Einstein postulated, and everything so far has proven him right. Now, the question you need to ask yourself, if the surface, just the line around the surface of that... um, that sphere is space, what's inside of it? What's outside of it? Unspace. Now, 
this might bake your noodle a little, but listen. How long does it take to travel through unspace? No time at all. You can travel anywhere in the universe in a second if you travel through unspace, or as scientists prefer to call it, either subspace or hyperspace. Yeah, these words are not science fiction anymore, uh, even though you hear them used in, in various science fiction movies, but actually uh, this is a reality. They've determined this is true. So here's how this works. You notice down at the bottom of your screen, there is a scalar transmitter represented by point A. Let's say that's the Crab Nebula, which is millions of light years from Earth, and there's some nasty aliens on that nebula, and they are mad at that destroyer that's up in the upper right-hand corner of the screen that's floating somewhere in the Atlantic. They have scalar weapons. They fire their weapon instantly. It winks out of existence. It follows the trajectory of that red line on the screen, goes through hyperspace in about a second or less, and emerges right on top of that destroyer as a globe of light that then detonates with the near force of a nuclear explosion and blows the destroyer to kingdom come. Now let's bring this down to Earth. Suppose instead of that big white circle being the universe, it's planet Earth. And point A is Moscow. And they, for whatever reason, decide they're going, to destroy, they're going to destroy that battleship that's in the Atlantic Ocean. And so they fire their scalar transmitter in a second or so or less, the same thing happens. The thing, there's no way of seeing this coming. Understand, there is no incoming fire. It's not like a cruise missile or something like that. It's just there all of a sudden. The next second... It detonates and the thing sinks just with all hands on board. This is the nature of this weapon. Now, these next two slides are probably the worst, so bear with me. In the scalar model, time, which Einstein said is the fourth dimension, is actually compressed energy. So imagine being able to use both time and gravity as energy. It is energy which is compressed by exactly the same factor by which matter is considered compressed energy. Now, what does that mean? Well, again, Einstein, we always come back to him, he taught that everything that is physical is actually energy. And he had an equation for that. And the factor by which that energy is converted is the speed of light squared. Now, when you square a number, you multiply it by itself. For example, 2 times 2 is 4. 4 squared is 16. 5 squared is 25, etc. So you take a figure like 186,000 miles an hour, or a second rather, and square it, you've got a very large number. Actually, it's even bigger than that. This is probably the most famous equation in all of physics. Everybody's seen it, even if people don't understand what it means. Here's what it means. E equals mc squared. E is the energy that is released by any amount of matter multiplied by the speed of light in centimeters squared. Now, I don't even know what the speed of light in centimeters is. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's an enormous, enormous amount of energy. And that's what you get with nuclear fission. That's what you get with the atomic bomb or the hydrogen bomb. You have a, a, a small amount of fissionable material like uranium, cesium, plutonium, and you slam it together with explosive force. That's what they did with the original atomic bomb. And it creates a nuclear reaction which has a destructive power in either kilotons or in the case of a hydrogen bomb, megatons of dynamite. A megaton of dynamite is one million tons of dynamite. So that's an enormous amount of energy. And that's why when we dropped the, the very primitive, by our today's standards, nuclear weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki back in the end of World War II, 
that blew up most of their city in each case. Now there's another equation which is much more powerful but much less well known. This is the scalar equation for the conversion of energy. And what it is, is E equals delta TC squared. Now in physics and engineering, the the delta, which is a Greek letter, means change. And the letter T means time. So what this is saying is, is the energy released by scalar weapons is the change in time times the speed of light squared. So the compression in time times the speed of light squared, and that releases just incredible energy. Now, people ask, what do actual scientists here in the, in the United States understand about this? Well, some of them know something about it, but most of them don't. Either it's outside of their frame of reference, or they're, they're thinking inside of this little box, and they're not willing to think outside of the box. While I was on tour with this talk, I had a lady come up to me and say, her daughter was just finishing up her Ph.D., in quantum physics at a very prestigious California university. I won't name the university. She asked her about this stuff, and her daughter says, oh, that's impossible. It can't happen. That's totally impossible. She offered to give her, and her daughter's only like 25 years old. You know, you know usually you think younger people are, going to, you know, are open to new ideas. She handed her this book, said, would you read this book? She says, no, I don't even want to see it. That doesn't even exist. So again, remember, science is often just like a cult. If it's outside of what they believe, they don't want to know about it. So science in this country, the Defense Department knows about some what are called non-conventional weapons. They know about lasers. Of course, big deal. Lasers have been around like forever. We had lasers when I was in high school, for heaven's sakes. We have particle beam weapons. Again, big woo, you know. But most of us have totally missed the boat about this not-so-new weapons technology, which has been around since the 1960s. Recently, well, <laughs> relatively recently, 1997, uh, Bill Clinton's Secretary of Defense, William Cohen, said this. And this is one of the very few public statements by high-level uh, people in the Defense Department. Others, meaning terrorists, are engaging in an ecotype of terrorism, whereby they can notice this, alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely, through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real. And that's, why the, that's the reason why we have to intensify our efforts, and that's why this is so important. Now, I never thought I'd agree with anybody in a Clinton administration, but in this case, I have to give this guy a hearty amen. I hope they are following his advice, which he gave like eight years ago. Now, these are a totally new reality in military combat. They can project electromagnetic or electrogravitic energy to any place on the planet at will. Distance is no deterrent. Since they're faster than light, the energy is projected to the target in nanoseconds, which is so quick you don't even know. It's less than a wink of an eye. Like these scalar weapons are therefore capable of destroying anything, anywhere. Land ordnance, in other words, tanks, jeeps, even entire military bases, naval vessels and even submarines, and of course planes, jets, and ballistic missiles. Uh, they can be directed at an individual site or location, they can even be targeted to hit human targets, even in shielded rooms or underground bunkers. Now, imagine this. You could put the President of the United States five miles underground in a room that was lined with a foot of lead on all six sides, and they could still turn him into a crispy critter in less than a second. So any kind of shielding is meaningless. 
They can also be aimed at a pie-wedge arc of the sky to take out a large number of aircraft at once. So, for example, here we see the, um, the scalar weapon in the center of the horizon line. You know how you, uh, the horizon appears to be a circle around you as you look at it. And if there was airplanes coming in there, you can see like between 11 and 12 o'clock on the, on the chart. All they have to do is fire the weapon, and every airplane, every bomb, every missile that's in that, that range of that wedge would just drop to the ground and be totally useless. Then all I have to do is turn it a little bit and take care of the you know 12 to 1 o'clock, so to speak, then the 2 to 3 o'clock, and, and so on and so on. So the whole, the whole sky can be wiped out of any kind of incoming fire in just a minute or two with this kind of weaponry. To make matters worse, these weapons also can generate an electromagnetic pulse, just like nuclear weapons do. And I know many of you understand, because uh, there's been articles about these in the newspaper and so on, that if a nuclear weapon goes off, especially in the air where there's nothing to impede it, uh, it sends out this pulse that will instantly fry any computer, any microchip, I mean, like your cell phones, if you have a pacemaker, any kind of electronic device is basically history and irreparable at that point. Well, there is shielding for that. Like, for example, we're told in the Defense Department and the Pentagon and NORAD or whatever, they have computers that are hardened, that are shielded against this kind of EM pulse. But the problem is there is no shielding against a scalar EM pulse. So basically... If the Russians chose to do so, they could essentially turn off every computer in America with a flick of a switch. Tank warfare, totally obsolete at this point. I mean, if you have a tank that, um, that is out there and you hit that tank with scalar weapons, instantly all the men in the tank are going to die. They're just going to drop down dead. The fuel in the tank will explode. The weapons in the tank will explode. And all of the electronic equipment in the tank will instantly be, the term is used, dudded. In other words, it will turn into a giant dud. And then there will be nothing left of the tank. And that's what military analysts call a K-kill. In other words, there ain't nothing left, folks. So bye-bye to the tank. Now, how are these weapons powered? Well, as already mentioned, vast energy can be pulled from the vacuum state. That's called zero-point energy to power these scalar transmitters. But never leaving any the chance... I mean, the Russians are very, very compulsive about things. So they have also sunk 27 separate power taps deep in the earth all over their land. And remember, they have a huge amount of real estate. I mean, I think the Russian, even without the rest of the satellite nations that used to be part of the Soviet Union, they cover eight time zones, the, the, the nation of Russia. So these things sink deep in the earth where they can draw on what is called telluric energy. Now, that may be a word that's not familiar to you, but it's the energy that we can pull right out of the earth. Now, how does that work? Well, as many of you may know, the center of the earth is a molten core of iron, basically, in nickel, and it spins. Now, the mantle of the earth, which is the hard part of the earth, and we live on the surface of that, is going a different direction. And as any person will tell you, that creates a generator. The earth is a giant electromagnetic generator. And this produces what's called the magnetosphere, which is a sphere of electromagnetic energy around the Earth. And that's why, for example, you have a compass that points north. It points to the magnetic pole of the Earth. And that's why. It's because the Earth has a giant magnetic field. And the Russians have figured, well, actually Tesla originally figured out how to draw energy from this giant field. Now, 
I mentioned Tesla. We're going to get into a little bit of historical background now. I'm going to interrupt right there, but I'm going to encourage you to go to WatchProphecyClub.com. You can watch the first 30 minutes of this DVD for free at WatchProphecyClub.com. And if you like it, of course, I recommend you do. Then you get signed up $20 a month or $200 a year, and you can watch all $6,000 worth of recorders, some 300 different DVDs. Amazing. Many of them. Many of them are still far above their time, far ahead of their time. So go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com. You want to look up Russia's secret weapon to defeat America. Russia's secret weapon to defeat America by Bill Sneblin. S-C-H-N-O-E-B-E-L-E-N. Bill Sneblin, Russia's secret weapon to defeat America at WatchProphecyClub.com. Order the DVD at prophecyclub.com. Here's the best deal we've ever offered at the Prophecy Club. Five Hell Pre-Trib 1, five Tribulation Secrets in Daniel, five God's Warning to America, five Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and ten Miss the Mark, 40 books, gift of $100, prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. Imagine a friend emailing you all excited, telling you that they are at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade and people are being turned away by fire marshal orders because so many people are coming from miles around. People hungry to receive the Lord, arriving saying, God told them the address in a dream. Another just impressed to drive to this spot. Revival has arrived. Would you desire to be at this kind of meeting? Then go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and get signed up to be there. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, March 27 to 30. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com